Matthew 5, 13, this is Jesus speaking um, in the Sermon of the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's pray over the word today. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is living, awesome, powerful. Your word is timely. God, we thank you, Lord, that that you have called us to be salt and light. Lord, help us today as we hear and receive this word to apply it, that it would uh, radically shake us, change us, transform us, convict us, stretch us, encourage us, and equip us to do, Lord, every good work that you have called us to do. Help me this morning as I uh, teach and preach your word. Lord, I need your help. Let your anointing uh, fall upon us in a greater way. Holy Spirit, we thank you for joining us, uh, for, for being with us, for leading us, for taking control today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series, the Sermon on the Mount, this morning. Um, Pastor Todd was actually supposed to preach, uh, finish up the Beatitudes last week, uh, but the Lord had other plans. Amen. And so, um, as I talked to him before he left, I knew I was going to be preaching about a couple weeks ago. And so, as I kind of followed, I was he, he asked me to, to pick up on in the sermon uh, in the series. I'm sorry, where he left off last week. Well, so I had got some direction going on the salt and the light. And so after the Lord had his way and changed up the service last week, he said, look, don't even worry about it. Don't touch that. You can just move on with where you're going. So officially, I guess this would be week three. Um, and he, he, he might or might not come back and, 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 and finish the Beatitudes next week. So it's not in the order, but you know, it's been pretty chopped up anyway. Two weeks ago, uh, I think it was in a nine o'clock service. Either he did or he didn't preach in one of the services two weeks ago. And then neither one last week. So. We're going to get through it. It might not be an order, but we're going to go through it. Amen? All right. So today we're going to look at Jesus' teaching about being salt and light. About being salt and light. And as Pastor Todd began in the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes describe the essential character of kingdom citizens. And the metaphors of salt and light indicate our influence as kingdoms of citizens of the kingdom of God as we penetrate secular society. He gave us these two things to show us how we As believers, as Christians, kingdom citizens are to penetrate secular society. His his meaning becomes even more clear when we start to look at and start to unpack uh, the meaning, for for example, uh, of salt. And one of the most familiar things that we we know about salt, and there's many different things that salt is used for, uh, but as I was studying out, we don't have time to go over all of them. Um, But one of the, the most familiar thing is, what does salt do? It gives flavor, seasoning, correct. We know that, that salt gives flavoring to our food, a food that is bland, that has no, uh, has no flavor to it. We want to put a little salt. Now, here in Cajun country, we usually don't stop with the salt. We add the Tony Sastries and the tobacco and whatnot. Uh, but back then in Israel, you know, uh, they don't, they, they, they didn't have, uh, Tabasco sauce, okay? They didn't have all that. Salt was the primary form of, of, of seasoning and flavoring their food. So as Christians, our function is to give flavor to the earth. And the one who enjoys the flavor is actually the Lord. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Our presence makes the earth acceptable to God. Without, without us, you know, without our presence here on the earth, 
the, the, the earth would be operating in God's view and, and would be ready and primed for wrath and judgment. But because the Christians are here, we're the salt of the earth. We cause the earth, to, to God, to continue to look at and, and flow uh, in mercy and grace towards the earth. And, and, and we see this, this point illustrated uh, in the account of Abraham's intercession on behalf of Sodom. At the beginning, in Genesis uh, chapter 18, we see this. And we know that the Lord was talking with Abraham one day, and the Lord uh, was on his way to Sodom to go check out and to see if, if Sodom was as wicked as he's been seeing and hearing. And whatnot. we know God's all seeing, but he's talking to Abraham as a man. He says, I'm on my way to go see if, you remember, it was God himself and two angels. I think that's an amazing story because it was the Lord himself talking with Abraham. And he said, I'm going to see if, 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 it, if it's at a point where his, my judgment is, can no longer be with hell. And I'm going to go and I'm going to see if, if, if I need to wipe out this city. Is basically, in essence, what God was telling Abraham. So what does Abraham do? Let's look at what Abraham asked the Lord. In Genesis 18.23, Abraham came there and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? So going back to the salt of the, wor- the earth, you know, Abraham, this is where we learned this principle. Abraham's saying, God, are you going to wipe out all of these people if there's some righteous people in there? And, and Abraham, if you know, familiar with the story, Abraham starts with 50. And he starts in a reverence, but, but very steady, uh, uh, intercession before God. He says, God, what if there's 50 righteous people? And God said, okay, well, I won't destroy it if there's 50. Or what if there's 40 people? All right, I won't destroy it if there's 40. And he worked his way all the way down to 10. And then in Genesis 18.32, the Lord said, then for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. One scholar estimates that there are at least 10,000 people living in Sodom at the time. So 10,000 righteous could have saved or preserved, uh, I'm sorry, 10 righteous could have saved or preserved 10,000 wicked people. So that's a ratio of one to a thousand, right? Now it's easy to extend this, this ratio indefinitely. I don't know what the numbers would be today. I don't know, you know, uh, update as I was studying this, I didn't go and, and find the updated numbers of the United States or of the world itself. But I'm convinced as I read that scripture, as we read this and look at what Jesus is saying, is that, you know what, we know 55 million babies have been slaughtered in this country, right? If you just turn on the TV or, or go to most movies, you can, you can realize the perversion that's in this country. I believe as Christians, we're the salt that's perver- preserving this country from God's wrath. Amen. And, and this is what we see here uh, uh, in, in Genesis. And if, if you're not too sure about that or you think, well, that's, a, that's an Old Testament principle, think about this. It's going to be when the church gets raptured and we're, the Christians are taken off the scene that God's full wrath and judgment is going to be unleashed on the earth. So it shows that we are the salt of the earth. Amen? That's our, our, our purpose. That, that's our, our main purpose is to make the earth acceptable and taste good to the Lord. So now we got to move on to this, this next part that, that Jesus says when he talks about how does salt, you know, talks about salt losing its flavor. How does salt lose its flavor? He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? You know, Jesus makes a reference to salt again in Luke chapter 14. You don't have to turn there, but here's where we find this, the, the answer in, in Luke chapter 14 when Jesus begins to talk about salt again. Here he says, if it loses its flavor then salt will be, will be thrown out and trampled underneath the feet of men. He says it differently in Luke chapter 14. I want to read the salt reference again in, in Luke 14, 34, and 35. Jesus said this. He said, salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? 
Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Now, that's some pretty heavy words there, right? He didn't say it would be thrown on the manure pile. He said it's not even good for the manure pile. And he says this, where we find our answer is, is if, you, if you look back at the beginning of Luke chapter 14, in my Bible, the subtitle is The Cost of Being a Disciple. And so he, this is where he talks to, to those that want to follow him and, and tells them to pick up their cross, to deny themselves, to give up their lives, to not put anything before them. I know sometimes those are some strong words. We, we, we kind of, he says, really what he, he says what he, is, if you need to hate your mother, your father, your wife, your children in comparison to me. And what is Jesus saying? He wants us to hate our family? No. What he's saying there is that he don't want us putting anybody before him, even our families. So he's saying at the end of this, he's saying salt is good for seasoning. And we know he just told us in Matthew that we are the salt. So what is he saying here? How does salt lose its flavoring? Jesus is saying that you lose your flavoring when you're unwilling to give up your life and follow him all the way. When you're unwilling to surrender and totally be sold out to Jesus. When you have become a lukewarm or half-hearted Christian. That's what he's saying. In the context of at the end of, of, of the cost of being a disciple, that's how it loses its flavor. He said this kind of salt's not even fit for the manure pile. You know, another function of salt, especially back then, I mean, I'm not a farmer today, maybe y'all can tell me, but I know back then, just from studying this, that salt was actually a, a thrown of manure to help it become good fertilizer. So that's a powerful statement when Jesus says, I mean, we can go from being the salt of the earth and actually preserve people's lives and save them from the coming judgment to not even being useful to manure. I didn't say that, that's what Jesus said. Amen? I know you're all looking at me like I'm crazy, but that's what my Bible says. And that's the function of us as salt, and that's how we can lose our flavor. So let me ask you today, brothers and sisters, have you lost your flavor? Where are you at in, in, your, in your life with the Lord? Maybe at one time you were full-on, sold out, committed, surrendered, flowing under God's total and perfect will. But maybe you've kind of become lukewarm. Because you notice he says that the salt loses its flavor. So that means that it was salt at one time. And back in, in, to Matthew, that's saying that it, it was Christians at one time. It was sold out soon that they lose their flavor. Not that they never had it, but that they lose it. And so we need to examine ourselves today as we see the function of what he's telling us to be. That you are the salt and not to lose our flavor. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be useful. I want to be used. I want to preserve this earth. And, and, and why is that? Why, why do we need to preserve the earth? Why is it that, that, that as salt, we make the earth taste good so God doesn't bring down his full wrath and judgment? Well, it goes right into the next thing Jesus says. So we can be light to him. Amen? So we can be light. God doesn't, God's using us to hold back his wrath so more people can be saved. So more be, that's why you, you always hear, if, if God just wanted to save us to go to heaven, as soon as you come down to this altar, pray, give your life to the Lord, boom, you get zapped up and you'd be out of here. But no, he has a function. And two, our, two of our main functions is to be salt and light. To be salt, to preserve the earth, to, to hold back the coming judgment that we know is coming. Read the book of Revelations. 
We know that, that it's coming, but we are here as Christians to make it salty and taste good to the Lord. So now let's, let's, let's get into the light part. So, so how, how can we be light? I want to read, um, I want to read it in Matthew 15 again, but after this, I also want to turn uh, to, to Numbers chapter 8. Let's read Matthew uh, 14 and, and through 16. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now flip with me, turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. As I was reading this again just a couple of weeks ago, I think this gives us, this is a good type and shadow of the lamp. As, as God was telling Moses to, to tell Aaron how to set up the lamp when they were doing all the, the furniture in the tabernacle, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting and we could break down, um, you know, what Jesus is saying by looking at the lamp in the tabernacle in Numbers chapter 8. And I'm going to use these two passages as we move forward, as we're talking about being light. Numbers chapter 8 and verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron the following instructions. When you set up the seven lamps in the lampstand, place them on their light, place them so their light shines forward in front of the lampstand. So Aaron did this. He set up the seven lamps so they reflected their light forward just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The entire lampstand from its base to its decorative blossoms was made of beaten gold. It was built according to the exact design the Lord had shown Moses. So I want to look at a couple of things here on what our light is, our source of light, and how we can be lights. Say so Jesus, going back to what Jesus said, and you can keep your place right there in Numbers 8. Going back to what Jesus said, Jesus did say, let your light shine. But we all know we're not the source of the light, right? Okay, we do have a light. He said, let your light shine, but we're, we're not the source of the light. John makes that clear in John 1, 9. He says, the one who is the true light, speaking of Jesus, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. He's breaking down everything about Jesus. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So we know Jesus is the source of light. Jesus is the true light, and John says he gives his light to everyone. I mean, it's, 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 we all know this. We've been knowing this since grade school, but it's similar to the, to the moon. We know the moon gives off light, right? At night, the moon gives off light, but we know the moon is not the source of the light. We know the moon is just reflecting light from the sun and shining down on us in a dark place in the nighttime. And as, in essence, that's kind of like we are. We kind of like a moon in this place. In the darkness, we reflect in the sun's light into a dark place. Amen. I mean, look at even with the, with the lamp. I love how it says this. It says in Numbers 8, it says Aaron uh, set up the lamp so they reflected their light forward. So they reflected their light forward. So we are reflecting the light of the Lord uh, to others, to others in this dark place. So how do you let your light shine? How do you let your light shine? I want to read Matthew five sixteen again in the NIV. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So how do you let your light shine? Number one, by doing good to others. By doing good. He said, you let your light shine. He said, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
You know, we're going to get into this in a minute. It's one thing to tell people you're a Christian. It's another thing to show people you're a Christian. And I'm not talking about just showing them with your Bible, your bumper sticker, and your T-shirt. I'm talking about showing them by what the Bible says, what Jesus said is good deeds, good works, doing things for others. You know, it goes back others. I mean, that, that message, I don't know how many of y'all were here for Pastor Jack Haynes' message. That's literally, people say this, but that, that's a life-changing message right there. Y'all remember that when he preached on others? Jack Haynes, if, if you wasn't here, I encourage you to get, get the DVD. I'm sure it'd be in the resource center or the CD. And he talked that our whole life, the most important word in, in a Christian's vernacular should be others. That it's about, and this is what Jesus is saying, that the way our light shines is by others. I, I like this. Going back, let's look at Numbers 8 and verse 3 again. When he's talking about the lamps, he says, set up the lamps so they reflect their light forward. So they reflect their light forward. I like that. This speaks of shining forward, moving forward, doing something, producing something. Let your light shine forward. If you had a lamp and you're walking down the street and the light's shining backwards, it's going to help you out at all. The light needs to be shining forward to, to, to help you out, to help other people out. Or let me say it this way. If you were walking with somebody and, and you had a lamp or a flashlight in our day and, and you're pointing it backwards, it ain't going to help you or your brother and is in the pitch dark walking in the woods, right? The light has to shine forward. We must be doing something, moving forward, producing something. Fruit is what the Bible calls it. Producing fruit is how we shine our lights, by doing something, by serving others, serving people. Helping people, reaching out to people, caring for people, loving people, taking people into our homes. And you know what? With all these things, not just people we like and we get along with. Oh, that's, that's hard for me. That's convicting right there. As I'm typing that out, I'm like, you know, me and, me and Cass have been talking about that. You know, Jesus mentions that. He, Jesus says, you know, when you have a banquet or when you have, in our day, when you have a barbecue and a crawfish ball, you cooking dinner at your house and you having some friends over? Jesus said, don't just invite your friends and your family, those you love, those you get along with, or those that you know, they're probably going to have a crawfish ball in about two weeks and then, you know, they're going to invite me back. Or, you know, I know whenever LSU season starts, he got a big screen TV. So if I invite him over, I'm, I'm going to watch the game at his house. Jesus said, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't just invite people. Not that we, don't do that. You can't do that. He said, but don't just do that. Jesus said, when you invite people over, invite people that are poor, people that can't pay you back. And here's the kicker, people that nobody else want to be around. Very convicting. I agree for myself. Me and my wife was talking about this. Are we doing, that's shining our light. It's asking people to come to our house and to come eat with us and join our families and do things that nobody else, you know, that, you know, they're hard to get along with. Let me put it nicely. You know, you know what I'm talking about? But guess what? Jesus still died for them too. Or maybe they're not as cool or maybe they don't into the same things. Maybe they don't. They, you know, people, you know, look, let's just, can we be real church? People that's not as clean as us or don't dress like us or they kind of, you know, might be a little dirty and not, you know, it's quiet because we know we all do that. We know there's people you don't want coming plop on your nice couch or in your recliner, right? Come on. I'm talking to myself, y'all. This is. This is the way, but this is the way Jesus has called us to shine our light. This is what he said. When you invite people, don't invite people that can pay you back. Don't take people in, not just for dinner and stuff. What about somebody that you know struggling? You could maybe take them in for a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months. 
Now, you got to pray about that, make sure that's safe and whatnot. But look, it could be somebody in your family that, oh, yeah, but they made bad choices and they whatever. whatever. I know like Stuart, he's a brother that I know take, has taken people into his home to help them and give them a chance and disciple them and others in the church I know as well. But this is what he means when he says, shine your light forward. Let your good deeds be seen. It's one thing to tell people that God loves them. But whenever they hit rock bottom and they're about to be on the street and you take them into their, your house and they ask you, why are you doing this? My own family kicked me out. My own family doesn't like me. My own family doesn't love me. Why are you taking me in? Why are you loving me? You could tell them because Jesus loves you and because I love you. And I want to let you know, I want to show you the love of Jesus. Not just tell you about him. We do need to tell him about him. We're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. We do need to tell people. But he said your good deeds. Not just your words, your good deeds. And that's why I'm glad I put this point before I said about telling them. Because I, I believe this is most important. I've probably said it a hundred times. You've heard Pastor Todd. One of the most powerful statements I've ever heard is, preach the gospel always and only use words when you have to. And that is so true. That is so true. People want to see Christ in us before they, they, they want to hear about Christ. Because they're going to know it's real. If they see us truly loving on them, taking them in, provide, helping them, whatever, giving to them, whatever. We give to missions. That's great. We need to continue to do that. But there's a lot of local missions around us here too. Amen. I can go on that for a while, but I better move on so I can finish, finish up my message. But y'all following me? You know, there's a, there's a dear sister here in the church. She's not here this morning. Um, I, she said she was coming. I think she, she might be at the second service. But she's been here in Pastor Tyler's Acknowledger, uh, is, is Karen Prejean. I don't think Karen's here right now. Karen Prejean, she, um, she has Lou Gehrig's disease, LAS, and so she's confined to a wheelchair. But this lady, I tell you what, if you've ever put a prayer request in that box over there, and now if you're putting them on you version, um, we pray over them, and you've, you've probably, if you put your number, you've gotten a phone call from me, and I've prayed with you. But when we're done with those prayer requests, we send those to Karen. Now, Karen can't really move or can't even speak, but she's praying over us, over our needs. Tell me that's not letting your light shine. She's not saying because I'm confined to the chair. And by the way, I like actually saw it on her Facebook page. She said, I have Lou Gehrig's disease, but Lou Gehrig's disease don't have me. Amen. And, and listen, she's praying for us. She's interceding. I was actually over there earlier this week uh, having commun- communion with them. And Robin was telling me how there's always people on Facebook saying how much of an inspiration she is, how encouraging she is, because she's, she's, she's praying for people on Facebook. She's giving them scriptures. That's letting your light shine. I tell you what, she inspires me every single time I talk with her. I go to her house. It, it, it's, it's such a blessing to see she's letting her light. So if you say, well, I'm, in, I'm not in a position right now where or I, it's hard for me to let my light shine. Listen, y'all, you, we can do it. We can do it. Amen. Amen. James 2.18 says, I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And verse 20 says, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, listen, I know he's talking about faith here, but our faith is in the light. And he's still talking about doing good deeds. Basically, it comes down to this. You know, people can't see the light unless we show them. People can't see the light unless we show them. Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is living inside of us. They they can't see it unless we show them, unless we show them. And once again, sometimes telling them is not enough. But we do need to tell them. And that's the number two way you can shine your light is to tell people about the light. To tell people about the light. And like I said, it's good that we, we, we show them and we do good deeds first. 
before we come behind and tell them, and they ask us, why are you doing this? And that's a great opportunity to say, because I got the light living in me. John 1.8 says, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Once again, all through the scripture, sees we're not the source of the light. He is. He said he was simply here to tell about the light. You can do this in your everyday life. Showing people your good deeds. Telling people about the Lord. Each and every day, listen, we do things, and I'm talking about that in a minute, where we have evangelistic outreaches. But listen, this is each and every day in, 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 our, in, our, um, in our workplace, in our schools, in our home, in our family, you know, on Facebook, on Twitter, you know. Instead of joining in with some of the junk that's out there, let's be a light on Facebook. Like I said, that's one of the main things, Karen, being a light. There's so much junk on there. Now, I don't even look through my news feed or anything anymore. I just go to if I got to post something, if I check with somebody, I don't, I don't, because there's just so much. And sadly, the church joins in with that junk. So one of the ways you can tell them, hey, use social media. That's why we, I mean, look, if, if Jesus was here in this time, I'm sure he'd have a Twitter account. You know, I, that sounds crazy, but, you know, they didn't have that back then. He would do whatever he needed. Paul would. Paul said, I'll become all things to all men that I may save some. Paul would say, I know Paul would have a Twitter. He'd have a lot of followers, too. Because you know why? He has a lot of followers right now reading his words every day. So, you know, whatever it takes, you know, uh, you know that's why we use you version. We do, we do all of that kind of stuff. But let your light shine each and every day. Each and every day. You know, and so what? I mean, so what if somebody gets sick of you posting a scripture or giving glory to God on Facebook? You know, they don't, have to, they don't have to be your friend. But you can be a light. You can penetrate the darkness that is all over our media, social media, and the world. You know, I read about a story this week about a man in Southern California uh, that was speaking at a funeral. He was speaking at a funeral, um, and he, uh, uh, given the, the eulogy, I think it was a friend of his, and he stood up, and he began to preach, and he began to tell the people, he said, you know, whenever God's ready to take you, there's nothing you can do about it. When, when your number's pull, when your life ends, there's nothing you can do about it. Then he began to ask him, are you ready? Are you ready? He stepped down from the podium, this is a true story. He went sit down in his chair. He fell over and he died right there on the spot. Right there. His, his wife ran to him. His, his, his son ran to him, tried to resuscitate him. And just as he spoke a few seconds earlier, there was nothing they could do about it. Right there. Literally seconds after he'd been preaching the gospel. I don't know, but that's the, that's the, that's the way I'd want to go. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome way? So the pastor was called in the pastor that was recalling this story. Um, it was a member of his church, so he gets called to go to the house, and this is so awesome. And, and, and they had all the family there and friends and neighbors that knew this man was well-respected in the community. asked the pastor to share something. So he said he pulled out his Bible, and he shared the scripture where Jesus said, If you confess me before uh, people, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. He said, Think about this. I forgot the man's name, but he said, Just in one moment, he was confessing Jesus before others, and just a few seconds later, Jesus was confessing him before God. Why? Because he was telling people about the light. He was sharing about the light. He didn't just get up and, and give a feel-good eulogy about, you know, and I'm sure he honored the man, whoever it was. But he used that opportunity, especially at a funeral, to shine the light, to tell people about the light. Then how awesome. Literally seconds later, he was in the light, in the presence of the true light. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Lord. You know, so we tell, we can tell people day in and day out in our own lives 
And there's also ways that we do this together through outreaches. You know, Miss Dixie and, and Miss Sherry and some volunteers I know, like Macy and Michaela, they went. With, they just recently uh, they did Summit on the Streets, where they took basically a mobile uh, VBS and they went around the Scott area and just loved on the kids, gave them hot dogs and played games and loved on them, gave them a little sharp message. Even the adults were coming out. We have ways like that. Mission trips right now. Pastor Ty's in Indonesia. Uh, by the way, just as he gave his, his plea last week, I'm going to give mine. We're leaving Saturday morning bright and early to go to Guatemala. Myself, my wife, 34 of us total are going to Guatemala. So please, if y'all think about us, be praying for us. Um, so we're going out to Mike and Dottie Clark, the, the orphanage down there in Casa, and we're going to go and, and, and minister and love on the kids and help them do whatever needs to be done. So we have things like this too. And we have outreaches. I encourage you, if you've never been on a mission trip, you have to go on at least one. Not you should or you might, you have to. Really, I can even go deeper and say, people say, well, brother, I need to pray about that. Matthew 28, go out in all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of those. You ain't got to pray about it. It's in there. It's a command. He said, go. So... You can pray about the timing of it, maybe, but don't pray about it if you should go. He said to go. So I encourage you, you know, to, to, to go, on a, go on a short-term mission trip. Get involved when, we do, when we're doing outreaches and whatnot. That's another way to tell people about the light. Also, you listen, invite people to where the light's going to be. Invite people to where the light's going to be. Here at church, I know you are the light, but you know when, when, when brothers and sisters get together and we get in worship, the light shines even brighter. It's like a stadium light up in here, you know? And, and, and you, you invite them to where, and, and some people, that's church and that's life group, and some people might not do things like that. But like I just mentioned, mentioned excuse me, um, the family blast this Friday night, that's a great outreach. If you have friends, if you have family members that have kids, might not have anything to do on Friday night, say, hey, there's something fun at our church that we're doing that's geared towards kids. You know what? They use that as an outreach to bring people to where the light's at. I've said this many years. I've told the students this. It's like, listen, if you don't know what to say, or you don't know what to tell them or preach to them, invite them, bring them to church, I'll preach to them, okay? And, and that's why I want to encourage you. You know, somebody's, some people are stronger at that than others, but look, hey, you can invite them to church, right? You can bring people to where the light's at. For you men, where are you men at? You know, every year it's coming up in September, last Friday in September, wild game cookout. Men's wild game cookout, that's another great way. Every year we have over a thousand men and every year a bunch of them give their lives to the Lord. I know my brother-in-law was a turning point in his life. That's another way you can, you can help tell people about the light by bringing them to where the light is. All right, so number one, we do this by helping others. We shine our light by helping, doing good for others, telling people about the light. And then number three, the final thing, is refusing to allow darkness in our lives. Your light can't shine if you're full of darkness. We must refuse to allow darkness in our lives. Ephesians 5, 8, 9 says this, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. This is another very convicting scripture. Because it's telling us is that if we're, what we're doing is not good, right, and true, it's not of the light. And he says you were once full of it. And I believe if you're born again, if you're saved today, you feel the Holy Spirit, you know, you have the light living in you. And, and I know I was full of darkness. But he also says, so live as people of light. So that tells me that we can have the light but not be living in the light. Are you following me? He says live as people of the light. Don't allow darkness don't allow, allow junk into your life. And, 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 and people, when, when you start talking about that, and I'm not going to get into specifics, and you say, oh, well, you're just being religious. You're just being legalistic. No, I just don't want to be full of darkness. 
That's what it, I, I want to, I want to be pure before the Lord, which we're going to look at in a minute. You know, one of the main ways, and that's hard. How do you just, you know, that's why I'm not going to stand up here and do's and don'ts, don't do this, don't do that. I think when you go back to Numbers chapter 8 and you look at this lampstand, I think one of the best ways that we can keep darkness out of our lives is, is being pliable and let the Lord make, mold us, and form us. Like that lampstand. Look what Numbers 8.4 says. The entire lampstand from his base to his decorative blossoms was made of beaten gold. Come on. The best way to do this is to let the Lord work on you a little bit. Matter of fact, let the Lord work on you a lot. I know I still need a lot of work. I don't know about y'all. But, but how many times throughout the Bible he talks about that he refines us as gold? He refines his heart. Just as the fire refines gold, he refines our heart. He, he's working on us. He's, he's beating on us, so to speak, making us beautiful like that lampstand. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap, one, cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. Purity, clean, no darkness, ready for the master to do work. Look, look we must live clean, clear, clean, pure lives without darkness. I don't want to just be no cheap lamp. I don't want to be a cheap lamp. I want to be ready for the Lord to use me in every situation. Ready for the master to, to, to use in each and every situation. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, we've all sang it. A lot of y'all grew up in church, sang it growing up. And we've all known it and sing it, the song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm sorry. I don't want my light to be little. I want to have big light shining out of me. Now, if you like that song, no offense. Your kids can still sing it. It'll be okay. You know, they're little, so it's, it's good. But for me, I, I want big light to shine out of me, right? I want to be a stadium, a floodlight shining out of me, you know? And, 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 and in Ephesians and in, in, in uh, Second Timothy, Paul is telling us not to live in darkness, not to walk in darkness, not to allow darkness. He says here, going back to gold and silver, some are made of gold and silver. Both need to be purified, need to be worked on so you can stay clean and pure, ready for the master to use you. You know, because how many of y'all have wanted to share Jesus with somebody, but you maybe had some sin in your life or you did something, you blew up that morning and you felt like, man, I can't tell people about Jesus right now. I'm struggling with this. Come on. We've all been there, right? Man, I just yelled at my wife. How am I going to go up there and, and, and tell him that Jesus loves you and wants you to love your wife like Christ loved the church? And I, I didn't do that this morning. You know, right? And I mean, that's simple things, but I'm talking about there, there's major things. And let me just be real, church, in the church, that ought not be. Darkness. I'm not talking about just family life. I'm talking about in the church of America, that ought not be. Believers are letting darkness into their lives, impurity, uncleanness. And look, we need to get, we need to get that. We need to come to the altar and let the Lord work on us. Lord, work on me. Make me, mold me, form me, Lord God. Purify me, Lord God, in the fire to where I look beautiful like that gold, that decorative gold lampstand so my light can shine bright. Amen? Everybody, please stand with me. So now that we know our function here on the earth as salt, and we see true ways that the Bible shows us and the Lord calls us to be light, I want to close with this scripture. I just mentioned if you're in here and you're, you're a born-again believer, 
If you're a believer right now, I want you to just begin to pray. I want you to pray. If you feel the Holy Spirit, just begin to pray right now. I want to close with this scripture in John 12, 36. Jesus said, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. As I was just talking about darkness, having darkness, maybe you, as I was saying that today, you would say, Brandon, I, I feel like there's still a lot of darkness. I still like, feel like I'm full of darkness. And maybe the reason why is because you're, you're not a child of the light yet. Jesus said, put your trust in the light while there is time. Speaking of himself, we, we saw John made it clear that Jesus is the, is the source of light. He is the light of the world. You have to put your trust, your faith, and your life in Jesus to become a child of light. Not everybody is a, is a, is a, a child of God. Everybody is a creation of God. The Bible makes it clear not everybody is a child of God. God loves us all, but the children are light of those that have put their trust in Jesus. Today, while we're standing here, as we're concluding, as I was talking, maybe this was hard for you to understand, and, and the, the main thing that you, you really related with was that you felt like I'm full of darkness. I, I don't have good deeds coming out of me. You know what? I don't feel like I'm a child of the light. I don't know if I'm a child of the light. Or you might say, I know I'm not a child of God. I've never put my trust and my faith in Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I've never picked up my cross, surrendered all, asked him to forgive me of my sins. While everybody's praying and reverence, bow before the Lord. If that's you today, I want you to just slip up your hand. Acknowledge it with your hand. Raise, slip up your hand and say, you know what? I see you in the back, sir. Back here. Anybody else? I see you over here, sir. Anyone else? Keep your hands up. Come on, like I just told that story. And Jesus said, anybody That'll confess me in front of people. I will confess them in front of their father. What if you were like that man? That was the, your last time sitting down. Which when you get before the throne, is Jesus going to say, I know him. He's mine. I confess him. He can enter. Come on, let's pray together. Church, y'all, pray with me. Gentlemen, y'all, 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 believe in your heart. The Bible says if you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. Let's all pray together. Y'all pray with me, gentlemen. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my life. Purify me, Lord. I believe you died for me. And I ask that you save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now listen, y'all, as we close up today, before we leave, a couple of things before we leave, as the altars are still open, I want to ask today, have you lost your flavor? As I was talking about that, have, have you lost your flavor? Where, can you say that, you know what, I, I was at a point where I was r- white hot for God, white hot for Jesus, on fire, serving him, loving him. But I haven't, I, I've slipped away where I've taken back control of my life and haven't totally surrendered my life to the Lord. Come on, I think today, if that's you, you need to make a bold statement. Come before the altar and look, have somebody pray with you. Lift your hands to the Lord and say, hey, I surrender, Lord. I surrender to you. I want to rededicate. I want to recommit my life. I want to be on fire, totally surrendered to you. If that's you today, you can start making your way up to this altar. And maybe you say, hey, look, I've allowed allowed some, some darkness in my life. I've allowed some darkness. There's some things that, you know what? That I know shouldn't be there. Listen to what Jesus said. Make sure the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Let's make sure that anything, if there's anything that's in there, that today we come to the altar and we get it right before God. That we can be a, a, a true beacon of light. 
And maybe what it is, going back to being a light, maybe you just need boldness. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you today about being bold, about telling people. Come on, how many of y'all, it, 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 we, we get fired up and want to go tell people about Jesus, but then when we get there, oh, it's, you get nervous. You know, Lord, what I'm going to say, what's going to go on? You know, in Acts, in the book of Acts, the Bible said, and they had a lot more reason to be nervous than us because people were out to kill them. But the Bible says when the disciples were together praying, they prayed for bonus and the spirit of God came down and shook that place. And after that is whenever they went out, begin to preach the gospel and flip this world upside down. Amen. So I believe the same thing will happen here at this altar. You come down. Let somebody pray for you for boldness. You say, I have a heart, a passion to live for Jesus. Y'all go ahead. Altar workers, come up, start praying with these, please. And, and, and let's pray. Let's pray for bonus. Let's pray that our brothers and sisters would be bold in the Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's close out. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. If you need to come down to the altar, altars are open. Come down. Somebody will pray with you. Let's go ahead and close a closing prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord God, for this time together. I thank you, Father, as you have called us to be salt and light, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, in every one of these areas, not to lose our flavor, Lord God. Uh, Lord God, not to, not to be half-hearted, Lord God. Not to be lukewarm, but to be on fire, white hot for you, Lord God. That we would show our good deeds, Lord God, to others. That we would let our light shine. That we would tell people about you, that we'd invite people to church and to events, Lord God, that we would lay down our lives and be true salt and light in the earth, Lord God, that we would bring you glory by everything that we do, say, and think, Lord. We love you. I pray your blessing upon all of these as they go. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful day.